have a Connect card. Uh, if you're new here to Veritas, we would love for you to go ahead and fill that out. Uh, if you have been here for a while and are looking for, for some information, uh, there are ways that we can get with you. If you fill this out and turn it in, there's a bucket right back there down the middle uh, in the back. Also, there's a black box uh, on, the, on the hospitality table right next to where the coffee's at. So um, if you have any prayer requests, one of our greatest joys is to be able to pray over you guys um, as pastors and as leaders. Please, there's a spot on the back for prayer requests and comments. Love to have you fill those out and count it a blessing to be able to pray for you. If you would go ahead and turn in your Bibles, we are going to be in Luke 2. We are going to read 22 through 35. Our text for this morning is Luke 2, 25 through 35. But we're going to get a little bit of context by reading the entire passage. So if you would turn there and stand with me out of reverence for God's word. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles at the end of each bench, little white Bibles, page 500. And if you don't have a Bible, we'd love for you to take that home as our gift to you. All right. So Luke 2, 22 through 35. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called, called holy to the Lord and offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms, blessed God, and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, we are so humbled and grateful that you have brought us all here together this morning, even in the midst of historic cold and snow, and being the last year of the day, or of the last day of the year, Lord, we are so grateful uh, to be a part of your family here this morning. Lord, I ask that you would um, use me as a vessel to speak through this morning, that your word would shine forth as the diamond that it is. Father, I pray that you would bless the hearers of your word 
that you would allow the Holy Spirit to fall on them in the same way that it fell upon Simeon. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Please be seated. I'll be quite honest. I'm a little astounded at how many people are here this morning. <laughs> and uh, I think most of the people that set up and uh, that shoveled snow are probably feeling the same way too. Um, so we are so glad you're here. Uh, as Brian said, this is the fifth, uh, fifth Sunday of our, our Christmas and Advent series. And our hope is that it has helped teach you how to wait expectantly, how to watch hopefully, and how to celebrate joyfully the arrival of our Savior, Jesus. In the last message of 2017, we'll examine the last song of Advent, the song of Simeon. Each, each time that Sarah and I have found out that she was pregnant, which is now five times, um, besides being filled with an overwhelming joy, a heartfelt thanksgiving, and especially with this pregnancy, a, whoa, how are we going to keep one more human being alive? Um, one of the first thoughts that comes to mind is who to tell first. Typically, the first to know are parents, brothers and sisters, siblings, and maybe even some friends whom we might consider just as close as family. You know, the people that you, at that point of time in your life, are having the most profound impact on you and whom you feel the deepest connection with. Well, after that, and depending on at what point in the pregnancy uh, and how early we found out, usually uh, once the pregnancy has been or made it through the first trimester, we start to let other people in on the good news, extended family, the whole church body, um, other friends, and other friends are usually the next in the ring of people um, brought into the fold. And then at 20 weeks, which is the all-important ultrasound, some message will go out with an ultrasound picture uh, out onto social media, revealing to the whole world. Or maybe just like 300 Facebook friends uh, that we will in fact be parents once again. However, it isn't until the birth of the child that it makes its presence known that you can hear its cry, feel the softness of its skin, and smell that new human smell, right? That's a thing, right? <laughs> Up to the time of the birth, all that is known about the child is what can be read on ultrasounds, heard through speakers and microphones, and then felt through the poking and prodding on the mother's womb. But at once that child is born, the fullness of its personhood is revealed to all the world. And in that moment, a parent's joy is made complete as they hold that child in their arms. It is in this moment that we meet up in the historical redemptive narrative. Israel has been awaiting its long-promised Messiah for generation after generation. Israel has been waiting hoping that this would be the generation that would produce their Savior. And now, he's finally here. Yet only a few people know. Mary and Joseph, Elizabeth and Zechariah, some shepherds, 
and now Simeon. However, as Jesus would grow and begin his ministry, the blessing that Simeon spoke over him would start to play out and become more and more clear. And I would like to propose that even now, today, here in this auditoria, Simeon's song rings out just as loud and as clear as it did 2,000 years ago. The idea that I would really like you to walk away with this morning is this. And the song of Simeon, Israel Messiah, is revealed as the light for all nations. And the song of Simeon, Israel's Messiah, is revealed as the light for all nations. And we'll break this down simply into two parts. Israel's Messiah and the light for all nations. <clears throat> and I hope that as we go, all go home once the service is over, the melody of the song will be stuck in our heads throughout the new year. Let's begin with talking about Israel's Messiah. Now, Simeon is an interesting biblical character. In fact, what we read in these verses are all that we learn about him. But what we do discover about him reels a lot about God's sovereignty. We learn that he is a man from Jerusalem, <clears throat> that he was righteous and kept God's divine law. He was a man that was patiently waiting on the promised Messiah. Now, really, all of those things could have been true about any number of Jews in that day, but there was something that separated Simeon from the rest. The Holy Spirit had revealed to Simeon that he would not die until after he had seen the coming Savior. Can you imagine what life might, must have been like for Simeon after that revelation? Thinking that each couple that walked into the temple just might be the next Messiah? That that newborn son coming into the temple for purification and sacrifice was the servant that Isaiah told, foretold of long ago. He was eagerly awaiting God's peace and comfort to Israel. I don't know about you, if God were to reveal me something like that, I don't know if I would want God to say, hey, you won't die until this day, because I think it would just crush me, just knowing that waiting for that thing to come about. But I think... If the news that I received was the same news that Simeon had received, I, it might be the exception to the rule. Anyway, the day finally comes when Mary and Joseph come into the temple with Jesus. And by the leading of the Holy Spirit, Simeon goes up to the unsuspecting couple and, by, uh, and takes the child into his aged hands and begins to bless God. And in this blessing, this hymn, this echo of prophecies of old, Simeon confirms that Jesus, the baby in his arms, is in fact the Messiah. Look again with me at verses 29 through 32. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. We've talked a lot about how Jesus fulfills the prophecies of the Old Testament over the past four Sundays. So I won't linger too long here, but I do want to point out two things that Simeon points out about Israel's Messiah 
that I believe would be for our benefit. First, when Simeon says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, this revelation in verse 26 is now being realized here in verse 29. Simeon, whom the Holy Spirit had come upon and revealed, he would not die until he had seen the Messiah. And in holding Jesus in his arms, Simeon experiences a deep, penetrating peace. In his arms is the Prince of Peace. And as we heard in last week's message, the one of, the, of whom the angels sang, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Simeon has found favor with God, and now he is ready to die. He is ready to be in paradise with God. Why was Simeon so ready? Why was he ready to die? Because he had seen God's salvation. He now knew true peace because he had gazed upon the face of God's full redemption. He knew that in cradling this child, that Christ alone was and still is sufficient for salvation. And secondly, there's this phrase, glory to your people Israel. Jesus is the Messiah that Israel has been waiting for. The Jews at that time of Jesus' birth would have known the law and the prophets well. Isaiah 49.6 says, He, speaking of the Lord, says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. This is a text that would have been in the minds of any pious Jew. God had already been revealing his plan to his people and giving them divine revelation throughout their history. But now, with Jesus entering into the story, God was disclosing the fullness of his glory to his people. If you've been in Dayton for any amount of time, you've had to have heard of Dayton Restaurant Week which takes place in both the winter and in the summer. If you haven't, what it is is where quite a few restaurants will put out a menu of new items that they've not tried before or only tried during these times, usually about a three-course meal at a discounted rate. And most, if not all, the restaurants make those menus available online so that you can go on their website to preview what's on the menu. It does not only contain the menu items themselves, but brief descriptions of what each dish is. That way you have some knowledge about what is going to be offered. It isn't until you go, sit down at a table, order, and finally take a bite that you know the fullness of the meal. You've experienced the meal with your senses. With the incarnation of Jesus, Israel was getting to experience the fullness of God in ways they had only ever read or heard of through the prophets. The Christ child was there in the temple being held by rough, worn hands that Simeon had, eyes gazing down upon him, and ears hearing both coos and crying. The glory of Israel had arrived just 
as God said he would. This is good news for us as well. God is revealing himself as a God who fulfills prophecies and keeps promises. Just like Simeon worshipped God for his faithfulness to his people Israel, we should worship knowing that God in Christ is revealing himself to the whole world and not just to the Jews. Which will lead us to our second and final point. The light for all nations. Simeon's song reveals that God's plan of redemption goes far beyond the people of Israel. Though it certainly does not, or does include them, excuse me, it does include them. Look again at verses 30 through 32. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Up until now, God's revelation had been strictly given to the Jews. Though there are a few exceptions, Hagar and Ruth come to mind. But that doesn't mean that all nations have not been a part of his plan from the beginning. If you think all the way back with me into Genesis, in chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, where God calls Abraham out of the land of Ur to follow after him, it says, Go from your country, Abram, and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Through Abraham, every tribe, tongue, and nation will be blessed. But how? How is it that a man that lived so many years ago would be a blessing in the time of Simeon? Or even for us today? It's through Jesus, of course. And here in this song, Simeon praises God for fulfilling this promise. In his word, he echoes Isaiah again in chapter 49, verse 6. I will make you as a light for the nations, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. For so long, the non-Jewish world had been kept in the dark regarding any type of revelation from God. And now in the birth of Jesus, they will now know the fullness of his salvation. The birth of Christ disclosed what was previously unknown to the majority of the world. Notice how it says, a light for revelation. The Gentiles had been kept in darkness regarding God's plan And now, through Jesus, a blaze of light comes and illuminates it for them. Imagine for a moment with me that you are lost in a wood, out in the woods, and it's pitch black, and you're without a flashlight, and the moon's covered by dark cloud covering. And you're tripping through the forest over roots and being pulled by thorns and by briars. Then, all of a sudden, this glorious light beam beams out unexpectedly from a rescue helicopter, illuminating the path around you. And in following the lighted path, you find you are able to find your way to safety. This is what has happened when Christ came into the world for the Gentiles. The light of God's salvation was hidden from them. And then, out of nowhere, it is illumined in its full radiance. 
the ultimate outsiders, sinners, outcasts, the Samaritans, the Gentiles, now had a way into the family of God. What is wonderful to think about is that in this line of this simple blessing, Simeon, in a way, is singing about us. Jesus is the light shining in on our darkness. He is our salvation. The birth of Jesus had another effect as well. Not only did he bring salvation into all the world, verse 34 says he was also appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. In this revelation to Mary, Simeon departs from his hymn of messianic praise to show that even though Jesus is the Messiah, there will be those who will oppose his claims. A few weeks ago in Mary's Magnificat, she, we talked about this song and how she sings of how God has scattered the proud, brought down the mighty, and sent, away the, empty, the, sent the rich away empty. And as we read the rest of Luke's gospel and the other gospel accounts, we see this to start to play out in the life of Christ. Think of his encounters with the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious and political elite, and how because of his claims of being the son of God, it caused them to reject him to their ultimate destruction. Or think of the rich young ruler who was able to keep every single command except one, which caused him great despair as he walked away empty. Jesus was and still is the fall of many in Israel. But Jesus was the reason for the rise of many as well. Back to Mary's song, she sings, He has exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And as with the fall, we read of the rising of the lowly, poor, and outcast throughout the life of Jesus. Think of the lame who were made able to walk, the leper made clean, the blind who were made to see, the dead who were raised to life. It was those of humble estate, the outcast, those that saw their need, that believed that Jesus was the Messiah whom he raised up with him. And though not explicitly stated here, it is implied that Jesus would also be the fall and rising of many Gentiles as well. Think of our world today, right now. Much less in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. Jesus is such a polarizing figure in our society today. It seems that everyone you meet has an opinion on who Jesus really is. Most people are able to get on board with the fact that Jesus was a great teacher, a prophet, or even someone who was an advocate for social change, all of which he was. But when it comes to claiming him as God or the only way to salvation, people quickly jump off the bus and will claim that he can't be the only way or that that claim is offensive and simply not possible because certainly every religion essentially believes the same thing, just with different ways of getting to God. Jesus himself says that he will be a stone of offense and a cause of people to stumble. 
As we close this morning, I want you to ask yourself, why does this song matter for us? What could this blessing and this warning possibly teach us about our lives today? It matters because the baby that Simeon held would one day go to the cross for the sins of the world. And by doing that, his salvation was made available to everyone who would believe. And knowing that the incarnation happened, that the one who saved sinners came down to us should cause us to have a Christmas-like joy throughout the year. It also teaches us that in order to realize that Christ is our only hope, just like Mary, Zechariah, the shepherds, and Simeon, we need to feel the deep spiritual need that we have, the brokenness that we have, and the majesty of God. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. Do you feel your sense of need for him? Are you consistently hungering after God? If so, you can rest assured that he will fill you up with good things. If you are not following Christ this morning, or if you are struggling, I hope that you have been given a glimpse of the light of Christ in this message. And that you will look into his face and see the salvation that is offered to you. He alone is the only way to salvation. All other ways will fail. Repent and believe and know that Israel's Messiah is your salvation too. Let's pray.